This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I don't know how to describe it other than like, like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevnik. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello everyone, welcome to Bigfoot, America's Creek Devil. I want to make an announcement before we get going here. I post on a number of platforms. Podbean puts the show out on iTunes and Apple, etc. And of course we have the shows on Spotify. Those two sources that I post the shows through are we're a little behind on, so I'm catching up. The most recent shows are on YouTube. If you go to my channel on YouTube, William Jevning, You'll find all the shows there. There's around 430 shows, and we post three-plus every week. So having said that, Tom, would you like to introduce our guest today? It'd be a privilege. This is Mary Fabian. Mary, you were on with us uh, a while back, and we were going to bring you back on. It's been too long, so we're going to bring you on and kind of catch up where we were last time. Uh, Before we continue, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And if you like the show, let us know. Click the like and subscribe. And if you want to support the channel, it's uh, much appreciated. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. There's a link to the... Um... we got to cut this, Will. <laughs> uh, we got to edit. Uh, okay, no, we're, there's a link to Patreon there. And um, yeah. Chuck isn't with us today. He's working today. But we do have Forrest, of course, and Milo's with us today. So, Mary, I'm going to hand the microphone to you and tell us a little bit about yourself and let's hear about what's going on. Now, you're out in Pennsylvania, correct? That's correct. I, I'm in western Pennsylvania, a little bit north and of Correct Pittsburgh. me if I'm wrong, but you do have them out there, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. I'm going to hand the mic to you and fill us in. Uh, Well, my name is Mary Fabian, as you've heard already. Uh, I am the founder of Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project. Uh, We are a Facebook group, a little bit over uh, 17,600 some members. And uh, we... Yeah, the group is primarily to get witnesses in the area to talk about their sightings, to share with us. Um, we, we deal a lot with people suffering from PTSD, uh, and so we uh, try to help them. Uh, we get reports, and uh, we investigate those. Uh, I have, let me see, there are... 60-some counties in Pennsylvania, and I'm opening up county chapters for our group. 
and this is to get people in the area within those counties to contact um, the chapter lead in those counties where they can research, they can investigate the sightings in their area. Uh, they'll put on town hall meetings, um, occasionally camp outs, I hope. <laughs> and uh, you know, we're, we're just starting this initiative. Well, we started about a year ago. And we are slowly filling up the state with county chapters. And I am just so doggone proud of my team. Uh, they're doing great. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, well, let me think. Uh, Bigfoot activity in Pennsylvania, you had asked about. <laughs> yeah, we do definitely have them here. Uh, I have seen... Uh, let me see, three here in Western Pennsylvania uh, throughout the years. This has been a series of uh, over 50 years that I've seen three here. Uh, I've had, I don't know how many experiences and encounters with them you know, over the years. Uh, yeah, in fact, I heard them just the other night um, doing some calls they were starting the coyotes up but, uh, well and that was of course a rhetorical uh question on my part but tell us a little bit about what's going on with the coyotes what do they do how do they uh do they provoke them do they imitate them um what's uh, what's going on with that uh what they'll do is they'll uh, the bigfoot will start out uh, they'll give a call maybe a howl um most of the time it's a whistle that they'll start out and uh, I heard them from two different directions so there were two different packs of coyotes and two different Bigfoot uh, one to the north and one to the south um, and they started out with whistles very high-pitched whistles and then uh, the big or the coyote uh, the whole pack they, they just start you know, go on off howling and yipping and yapping and uh, and then uh, and not all the time, but every so often, I think one of the packs ended with a very sharp yip, and uh, that very well could have ended in a coyote meeting its fate as uh, dinner. Have you ever had any witnesses that have actually? Uh, found where they've eaten coyotes? Uh, well, we did find a uh, body of a coyote, uh, but this was down in Tennessee whenever we were uh, out on a research trip down there in Land Between the Lakes. Uh, the, um, one of our, the members of our team uh, they found a, a body, and it was literally twisted like an old dish rag. And, you know, there's nothing out there that can do that other than something with opposable thumbs and powerful hands. You know, my old friend John Adams, he found a deer one time like that, and uh, it was an area where we had a lot of activity, in fact, near where I had my first encounter. But uh, uh, Forrest, Milo, what do you guys think? Well, I wouldn't want to be the coyote or the deer that ended that way, but you know what? No. Having seen <laughs> having seen chimpanzees kill monkeys, um, uh, and it's 
uh, it's not just kill them. They brutalize them and then literally rip them apart and just do horrible things to them. So it does not surprise me that Bigfoot does the same thing. Yeah. Mary, I want to jump in, excuse me for a second, because another report that we get uh, regarding uh, what Bigfoot does, and especially up in the Northeast, but here on the West Coast as well, is that we have uh, one of our witnesses who we have on from time to time, Lisa, mm-hmm. where they will mimic dogs, and then the owners of the dogs, you know, the dogs start barking, they let them out, and that is a fatal mistake. The things will now attack a dog and do the same thing to the dog. Do you have any reports of that, or have you heard of anything like that? I've heard of that happening. Uh, I have not received any uh, specific reports on it, though, Uh, but I have heard about it happening. Um, Let me think where. um, It it wasn't in Pennsylvania, though, that I heard about it. But, um, yeah, where someone, they'll let their dog out, uh, and it's uh, a dog that just barks and barks and barks. And they'll come in and uh, kill the dog. They they don't like yappy dogs, you know, because of course it, it gives up their location. I think, in my humble opinion, that's probably why they killed the dog. Yeah, probably an an, an annoyance thing. Well, and uh, actually, will we have uh, you know TW has at least one report. Uh, and that was in uh, New Mexico, I believe, where it, uh, you know, took care of a dog that way. Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, what that was about. That was more about uh, not so much giving the location of the creature away. It was directed towards the family that owned the dog. Um, Forrest, do you, are there any accounts in nature with other primates where they might do something like that to a domestic animal that could involve their location or... I think it's probably a little more basic than that. Well, I mean, you've got uh, what's been going on in India here lately. It's not exactly the same thing as uh, giving away a location, but it kind of has to do with the the way a primate thinks. And uh, primates tend to be vindictive, just like people tend to be vindictive. And they had um, these... Um, langurs in um, um, in India that had had uh, an infant killed by a pack of dogs, and unfortunately over there they don't spay and neuter their animals like people should, and um, so you have these roaming packs of dogs, and they they started and the monkeys turned around and started killing the. Uh, the puppies, they were picking up the puppies, and then they were attacking the larger dogs, but they were uh, pretty much primarily focusing on the puppies. They'd take the puppies up into high trees, and then they'd drop them. And, of course, the, these poor babies, it would, uh, if it didn't kill them the first time, they'd take them up and do it again. So, I mean, they obviously have some knowledge, and these aren't meat-eating monkeys, so... Uh, these are monkeys that have some knowledge that, oh, if you take them up in the high tree, uh, just like our kids that sometimes fall down, we'll kill them. So, um, you know, that's what they were doing. They were killing these puppies, and they pretty much uh, decimated the dog population in this area all over seeing them 
kill one infant of theirs. So um, I think it's just, I think it's in our DNA and most monkeys and uh, apes as well that uh, they they have a vindictiveness about them. Well, look at how and many... Yeah, look at how many of our laws are set up now around the country where if a dog bites somebody, what the procedure is to dealing with that dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know why I'm so careful about letting my dogs out in the evening to go to the bathroom? And I keep my eyes on them and, you know, um, I don't I don't let them try to get it, keep them within sight at all times. Yeah, I do the same with mine. Uh, I keep her within sight. Yeah, I don't so, let her roam around at nighttime. Mary, let me ask you this. Um, how is your dog at detecting these things? You know, smelling them, hearing them, seeing them. Um, is it something that you can say, aha, she's on, you know, the creatures are within proximity. She's on to them. Uh, I, I know it's them versus a deer or something else. Right. Well, uh the dog that I have now, uh, she has had one experience with them. Uh, I think she did see one. Uh, we were camping out at South Fork State Park uh, in Ohio a couple years ago. And uh, she, I had her tied up. She was on a long 20-foot lead. And uh, we were at the edge of a bluff. She went over to the edge of the bluff to do her business. And this, this was around 10 o'clock at night. And uh, she squatted down. And I saw her look down over the hill. And all of a sudden, she came tearing back at me, just a completely terrified look in her eyes. Uh, her ears were laid back. Her tail was tucked. And she just hugged up against me, just totally terrified. And I did recognize that reaction and look uh, from my previous border collie that I had uh, where I used to live. Uh, because she would alert me every time the Bigfoot was around. Uh, this dog doesn't. Um, she... I really haven't seen her other than that one time reacting in that fearful way. Uh, but my other dog, uh, whenever the Bigfoot would come around our house, uh, she would warn me uh, in basically that same pattern. Uh, she would, her post was always laying down and looking out the back door. And whenever, uh, he, you know, the the old SOB is what I called him, uh, whenever he would come around, she would give like a very soft mixture of a whine and a growl, and her hackles, of course, would come up, and she would back up, still crouch down, and just back up until she was huddled up against me, shaking in fear. And just staring out that door. And this went on for 12 years. Uh, he, um, he would come around the house maybe once every two to three weeks. And he'd sometimes he, he would beat on the side of the house. Uh, sometimes not. 
but whenever she would react that way, uh, I knew that he was there. And we had all kinds of wildlife in the area, uh, in a deer, you know, groundhog. Um, an occasional bear would wander, you know, into the area, but I never saw her reacting, um, at least not in that way. But uh, she, you know, she would always act very, very terrified. And uh, like I said, that went on for 12 years. And at one point in time, as a matter of fact, whenever, uh, whenever she did that, um, I got, it, it, I snapped. I was just very PO'd at what he was doing because to me, he was doing it deliberately just to see her reaction and uh, just to see her and feed off of her fear. And um, so I snapped. I ran out the back door. I, I grabbed the golf club and uh, just ran up after him. And he ran off up over the hill. Okay. I like that, Mary. Uh, I'm not a good golfer, but, you know, you could uh, get a nine iron and, and, and yell four and whack him with it. Um, <laughs> you know, but... Seriously, um, <laughs> right? It's um, the the fact that there is something very unique about these creatures that dogs react differently. They they react yeah. in terror. People do the same thing. You know, we get within proximity of them, and and so often you hear that mm -hmm. people get that premonition. They don't see it, but they get that premonition of something's wrong. I'm I'm in right. danger. I've often wondered what is the biomechanism that they are able to activate in us to trigger that. I have no idea. If you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, leave the dogs alone. Yeah, I agree, especially my dog, because I'll chase after him. <laughs> hey, this is Milo. Um, I have a question. Where do you live in respect to other people? I do you live like in a farmland, uh, rural? Yeah, yeah it's, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's mostly farmland around me. Uh, scattered patches of woods. Um, some some larger patches, uh, like a couple thousand acres of woods. Uh, nearby, there's uh, state game lands. Uh, two of them in the area. Um, it, it's it's very rural. Okay. How how close is your closest neighbor? <laughs> Too close. <laughs> Too close. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I think That's we all okay. have that problem. <laughs> no, they're they're very nice couple. Uh, very young couple. You know, young family and. Um, when my husband and I, we purchased this property in uh, 2016, and we built a new home here. And uh, unfortunately, we were only able to afford two acres. Uh, uh, you know, if I could have afforded 500, boy, I would have done it. But uh, <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, there was another lot next to ours, uh, another two acres available, and uh, two years ago, a uh, family built their home, 
and uh, you know they they moved in and very nice young family. Mm-hmm. But I, I prefer not to see neighbors at all. <laughs> right. Well, I was just curious if they ever come up to you and said anything like, you know, peculiar things going on with their around their property. Mm-hmm. Uh, This neighbor, no, Uh, although they do know that uh, I run a big organization, um, they they kind of look at me a little strangely and I'm, hey, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But two other neighbors, country neighbors, I guess you could call them, like a quarter mile or so down the road, um, they're into Bigfoot. They've never seen one. Um, and then another neighbor who, who lives maybe half mile up the road, uh, he has seen Bigfoot in the area. He has found uh, a lot of sign. And uh, so he, he tells me, you know, what he's seen and uh, so on. So he, he's my eyes and ears. He's a hunter. So he's all over the place. Very good. That's good. Well, I'm really Thank curious you. now. Um, yeah, absolutely. So Milo um, is asking the same questions that were running through my mind. So on one side, you've got neighbors who may or may not have any encounters with them. And then on the other side, you have some who do. Have you taken a look at a topographic map to see if there's a reason why they might be, maybe they, maybe they approach from the other side and, and they don't go to the other neighbors, or maybe they do go to the other neighbors and they just aren't aware of it. Just wonder um, if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, if the neighbors who are next to us, uh, the too close <laughs> young couple, um, I know for a fact that the Bigfoot uh, that's around here has been by their house, I saw him running over there one night, uh, chasing after deer. He went running past their house. Uh, they are totally unaware. Okay, so that that may change someday. You never know. Uh, yeah. And when you when you become know. aware, you can't write. And when that happens, you can't become unaware of the unawareness. If that's yeah. good English. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if so, they know that I'm right here to help them. Well, I'm just curious. Did uh, uh, I wasn't uh, aware of what transpired on the last the last time you were on, Mary? But uh, um, what kind of uh, events did you um, run into in uh, Land of the Lakes? Um, I, I I think I told Tom and Will that my. Uh, was doing some research and I found out that on my father's side of the family, um, he has <clears throat> had a great great grandfather that actually uh, was a big plantation owner um, out there, <laughs> and um, he actually owned part of the land <laughs> between the lakes out there that has now become part of the um, park. Of course, I don't know of any of the family history that ever talked about. Uh, you know, seeing any Bigfoot out there, so I don't know anything about that. But I would be real interested to to hear about your encounters out there, because I think we all know about the infamous uh, incident out there about the family that was killed. And whether that was a Bigfoot or what what did it, we don't know. But uh, uh, I would be interested in hearing about that, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
in 2017, um, some friends of mine who run a podcast in a uh, group, uh, they were running a meet and greet camp out at Land Between the Lakes. And uh, it ran for an entire week. And um, special guests like myself, (laughs) fortunately, were invited to come down early and uh, go around to the different active areas uh, early on in the week. Um, While I was there, we had, um, well, I've been in Land Between the Lakes twice. Um, I was there last April also um, for another meet and greet, uh, but really had no activity at all the last time. But in 2017, we heard vocals, uh, we saw Ice Shine. Um, the one friend found, excuse me, found the um, coyote that was twisted like a dish rag uh, up off of, well, right off of the area where um, they had heard the Bigfoot, like I described earlier, how it starts out with a whistle or a vocal and they'll start the coyote off. Um, you know, the whole pack just barking and yapping. And um, they they heard the kill uh, where the coyote at the very end, tail end, just gives a sudden yip and uh, silence from the rest of the pack. And, um, you know, they, they found that coyote. Uh, but then at the end of the camp out, no, I, I didn't experience this. Um, a friend of mine, uh, you know, Tim Kumbo Baker. Uh, he was, I think, the last one leaving the, the park. And he was packing up his trailer. And uh, one came and gouged out the power cord area from his trailer. Just dug into the... Uh, the metal of the the trailer into the insulation and just dug that whole section out. I think primarily because Kumbo had been running a generator and the cord was, of course, attached to the generator. And um, that didn't make him very happy, I guess. Um, Must have been the noise. Pardon me? I said it must have been the noise of the generator, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it was. It echoed, you know, all over that lake whenever Kumbo would have it running. They are noisy, but it's really too bad he didn't grab the 220 or the 440 on it and got a little zing out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Kumbo, you know, like I said, he was packing up, and he already had it coiled up and uh, in uh, inside uh, that little hatch uh, area, and um, it, it just, he, Kumbo showed pictures, you could see the finger gouges where where it dug into it, you know, it was crazy. Well, now, weren't you in uh, Hanobi uh, here just uh, uh, this last summer? Yes, uh, in October. 
when was it? October, mid-October. Yeah, that was uh, that was fantastic. Great trip. Um, Chuck was our guide, and uh, he he did a great job of taking us around to uh, some active areas. He took us into Hanobi to the little store and uh, all over the place. It was fantastic. And uh, as a matter of fact, the cabin that we were at, um, there was activity right there. Uh, every night we would hear rocks being thrown at the cabin. Uh, and the third night, um, something came up onto the back porch. No, I'm sorry, the front porch and rattled the doorknob. And then uh, something came up on the back porch. And uh, Chuck, he was awake <laughs> listening to this. And, uh, and then something slapped the side of the cabin uh, where my sister was sleeping. Uh, but then the, uh, the first day, though, uh, that we were there, um, I had gotten up early and I was going around uh, the the outside of the cabin area, taking some pictures, um, just just random shots, you know, of the area. And I, I sent them into the Facebook group, you know, to share with people, you know, as to what you know, the area looked like. And uh, one of the group said, hey, Mary, I think you've got something there. And uh, so he circled a little dark area and I you know thought to myself oh, another blob squatch or just a dark area under a bush or something uh, but I zoomed in I enlarged the photo and I kept zooming in and I could see two figures uh, where that were laying up over the side of the bluff and uh, the following day, Chuck and I walked over to that spot, and there was nothing there. And there was no stump. There was no rock. There was nothing to explain those two figures. You couldn't make out details. You couldn't see eyes or anything, but they were two cone-headed <laughs> shapes with no necks, uh, broad shoulders, but there were two distinctive uh, figures laying there. Mary, let me ask you, um, what do you know about, are there any missing people in the area or any accounts of people or families that have gone missing in that area? Uh, in uh, where I live now? Um, well, uh, either that or the land between the lakes. Oh, land between the lakes. I, to be honest, I don't know specifics. Uh, I would think so, though, <clears throat> because it's it's a huge area. It's a national recreation area with, um, I think, what is it, the Tennessee River? I'm not sure exactly what um, what all is there, but uh, yeah, there's a lake and the river. A huge forested area. Uh, it, it covers 
it, it crosses over both into Tennessee and Kentucky. And uh, okay. from what I hear, what, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I was also going to ask if you know, are there any, go ahead and finish up, but I was wondering if there's any accounts of missing people in your area. Um, in my area, offhand, I don't think so. Uh, nothing that can't be, um, no, because the, the bodies, you know, whoever comes up missing, they, they eventually turn up and it's uh, and from an auto accident where they, the car may have run over you know, down into a bluff and the body's not found until the following spring or something. But, yeah, gotcha. That's okay. about all I've heard. Uh, yeah, nothing okay. can't be ascribed to possible Bigfoot. Right, right. Well, there was there was an encounter, uh, and I don't know what part of Pennsylvania it was, where apparently somebody had um, gone off the side of the road, and the car doors were open. All of their valuables were inside. But they were gone, and there were Bigfoot prints everywhere. And I just wondered if you'd heard of that one. And I don't know huh. if that was eastern or western or what part. Yeah, offhand. Um, I'll have to dig into that. Um, I I may have read about it and just forgot. Um, no, I, I don't know. That very well could have happened in... Uh, really anywhere in the state uh, it, it's pretty active all over yes sure. uh, Pennsylvania yeah, it's uh, 71 percent forest hey Tom shoot yes hey I got uh they they said there was a bull hunter that was killed at the land between the lakes in 2018 there was a what was killed a bull hunter uh you know, a bow hunter. Sportsman. Okay. Yeah. Ah. So okay. He was killed in 2018, and they they call it the 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 what, what do they call it the some beast of the lake. Yeah, beast of land between the lakes. Yeah. Uh, that that's what so, that's called. And, and yeah. Usually, I'm sorry. It, it from what I've heard, it's a dog man. Um, and that's what the beast of Land Between the Lakes is. So this bow hunter was killed. What can you tell us about the the details of that? Uh, I'm trying to read it right now. Okay. Now, in the meantime, while you're reading that, can I? There, there was another bow hunter who was killed. Um, I think it was back during the 90s and uh, we found the site that he was killed and the site that his body was drugged down into and um, they uh, it was a bow hunter who was camping and I who knows what happened uh, if he accidentally shot one or purposely shot one out of fear, who knows? But uh, they they found um, his body after his wife reported him missing uh, in an area, and he was literally torn apart. Oh, really? So he was dismembered then? 
Yes. Okay. And see, now that's something that, you know, we hear about, um, you know, the, in relation to Bigfoot, I don't know about dog man or anything, but in relation to Bigfoot, they do dismember um, people and animals, you know, without the use of tools, they just tear them to pieces. So, yeah, yeah very interesting. Well, I think we discussed what we think maybe the dog man is, uh, is the more baboonish looking uh, upright Bigfoot. And of course, right. I'm willing to I'm willing to accept that there might be an upright walking canine out there, but until I see one for sure, I don't know if I'm going to go there. But uh, uh, it, you know, the beast of seven shoots really looks like what I would uh, anticipate. Somebody just seeing one of these things might actually, um, you know, confuse those as being an upright canine. So. Um, it, uh, um, I could imagine something like that tearing somebody apart. Of course, I could imagine a Bigfoot tearing somebody apart, too, if they wanted to. But those things look more wolfish and doggish. Yeah, I agree. Um, from what I've seen of the photo of the Beast of uh, Seven Shoots, it kind of resembles a mandrill, um, you know, rather than a dog specifically yeah but yeah your mandr- mandrills um uh, are not particularly nice uh but uh, your common baboon is even more vicious than them so your mandrills are mm-hmm. much larger and uh, if if nobody knows what we're talking about ba- mandrills used to be uh actually classified as bab uh in the baboon category they're not they actually have a separate uh, classification now but they're the the uh, if anybody uh, what is the movie that Walt Disney did uh, on the the lions the Lion King um, that was a mandrill that was holding up the the little baby lion um, they have the colorful markings on their uh, muzzle and they have this uh, very large prognathism nasal prognathism on them that uh, resembles uh, a canine type of muzzle and they have canines that are unbelievable i mean they're just huge huge canines well now for us are they related to baboons or are they like an offshoot or tell us a little bit a little bit more about well, them. this actually, is interesting they're, they're, they're related and they used to be classified as uh, strictly as baboons but uh <clears throat> they're no longer that way they've been given a separate classifications uh they they're they're related but they're not strictly just baboons um you know the common baboon you've seen uh seen them they're brown uh brownish black in coloration and they look very dog-like uh and the mandrills are the uh they're actually the the largest of the monkey family and they have these huge huge heads and uh with these big muzzles that have the beautiful coloration on the the reds and blues and uh, on their muzzles. And then when they stand up on their behinds, they have this big blue and red butt, uh, the skin um, and their itchial, itchial callosities back there. And itchial callosities on monkeys and apes is like a, a callus pad that's on the back of their butt. And it, it makes it more comfortable for them to sit down all the time, just on, you know, ground on the ground or on rocks or whatever they're sitting on, and um, so. But they're 
um, back buttocks are just, I mean, all around the tail region of them is just this brilliant uh, scarlet color and brilliant blue color. They're very, I mean, actually to look at them, they're very attractive animals because of the coloration on them. But they're also on the endangered species list. And uh, so there's not a whole lot of them left in Africa. So, you know. But, yes, they are an offshoot of baboon. Okay. So that's very interesting. And I know what you're talking about, the, the coloration and all that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I've seen them without really being aware that I've seen something that was a different offshoot of the baboons. So colorful yeah. baboons. There you go. Colorful baboons, yes. And baboons are, I mean, they have problems with baboons, uh, not the, the mandrill, mandrill uh, specifically, but the, the common baboon in Africa. Uh, I mean, those they're horrible. I mean, they decimate crops. They come into, you know, come into people's homes, and uh, and um, they're they're vicious, uh, extremely vicious. They're not, and they, and it was, uh, they actually did a movie. It's been several years ago that uh, was actually. Um, it was over a period of time they were having people that were being that were disappearing. I mean, people go out into the the wilds to uh, hunt or this, that, and the other, and then they would disappear and then they'd find their bodies, you know, what was left of their bodies. Um, and uh, it was baboons that were uh, had organized. They were literally organized uh, baboon hunting parties, and they were hunting people. So now that yeah. is a scary thought. Yes, yeah. it is a scary thought. <laughs> so uh, they primates they, hunting uh, primates. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, they do that anyway. You know, the chimpanzees hunt primates all the time. Uh, are you know humans included? So uh, you know, uh, we we share a DNA. <laughs> the uh, all primates seem to share this DNA that. Uh, um, I don't know what you would call it, makes us angry, vicious cre- creatures. Well, and, vi- and vindictive. Yes, and vindictive. Um, yes. Yeah. Wow. So how do they resolve that problem? Did, did they ever say that they, you know, that they, the park rangers go in and disperse them? Well, or what, as, I recall, was... as I recall, they actually went on, uh, the humans retaliated and actually started, uh, you know, uh, killing these things and hunting them. And I think the, you know, let's face it, primates are pretty smart creatures. Once they realize that, you know, they're on the the wrong side of this, that uh, they will usually back off, you know, just like the chimpanzees that I've told you stories about in the uh, the Congo region where they had all these, uh, you know, terrorist groups working out there. And uh, they were using the chimpanzees as bushmeat. And they completely change their behavior and just avoid, they completely avoid uh, human contact now and do all their feeding at night. And um, uh, so the animals learn to change their behavior. They got the memo. They got the memo. Yes, yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Well, I don't think our Bigfoot has got the memo yet. Um, we haven't so really either. sent them one. <laughs> well, at least they're not running in, well, they run in packs, basically, but they're not, they don't have organized hunts of uh, humans yet. 
Give them time. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully never. <laughs> well, this At least as far as going into towns and raising havoc town. there. But yeah. I, you know, I think they do. I think really when, if we see one, it's like out here, if we see one, there's probably a couple out there in the, you know, watching and observing what we do when we see that one. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Well, I would, I would argue that they actually do take people. I don't know if they're doing it in organized packs or how they do it, but uh, they definitely here on the West coast um, here in Oregon, Northern California, Washington, uh, they do, they do their business, and there's a lot of people that just poof vanish. Well, there, um, that's the part of the human psyche. We think we're like the alpha predator, you know, we're we're the apex thing, and then we we find out different when we're all alone out there. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And like, I don't know how quickly it happens, but it's yeah, it's a thing. Well, we're kind of slow to, I think, get, I think we're slow to get the memo sometimes. I mean, I, I learned that real quick in Alaska uh, about we're not the apex predator there. And uh, mm-hmm. there's things out there bigger and meaner than us. Oh, so, yeah. You know. And yeah. I, I think primitive man probably realized that. But uh, I think some in some ways with our modern society that we've been kind of incubated against a lot of that. And we just don't, (laughs) it's like we don't use our brains sometimes to uh, uh, their full extent and realize that, uh, you know, maybe we should be a little more careful in our activities, but uh, you know. Well, that's for us, but that's a real good description because we are incubated against it because we live in a civilized society we bring that experience into the woods with us, expecting it to be that way, and it isn't. Exactly. The wilderness well, it's the is a very different thing. of technology that we take. You know, it's kind of like that when we go to in combat in war. You know, the greatest weapon of of a soldier is his imagination. It isn't the weapon he's carrying; it's what he does with his mind out there. Well, well and that's, that's a good point, Milo. And also, that is a good point. Yes, it is. And I was going to say that I think one of the greatest weapons that Bigfoot has is the disbelief in their existence or the disbelief in their uh, behavior. So if, if you don't think they exist, you don't think they have that bad behavior, they have a pretty significant advantage on you. But is that our that's our premonition on them, though, right? You think they think that of us? Well, I'm, I'm I don't just saying know if that I if, if, you, if you go out, said, if, if I said it right. Okay, so what I'm saying is, if you go out into the woods, yeah, and you, if, for example, let's say you didn't believe in the what do they call the mandrels that hunt people? Okay, and you didn't believe in their existence, they have a significant advantage on you. Same thing with Bigfoot. If you don't believe in the existence of Bigfoot oh, okay. and you go out, it, yeah, you invade their territory yeah. or something. They they got you. Well, I'll have to tell you a funny. I have a sweatshirt that I uh, or you have a, a funny a, sweatshirt. A I, yes, I do. I have <laughs> I have a uh, I've got a Bigfoot uh, hoodie that says yeah. on there, Bigfoot saw you, but nobody believes him, which everybody <laughs> looks at and they laugh. But 
you know, you know, you turn that around and how many times, how many times have I told you guys that I was actually afraid to say anything to anybody about what had happened to me here at the cabin. It took me a while before I'd even tell my own kids because I knew that they would, would believe me, but I'd have to go through the laughing process first. And right. I, th- I think that too many times we end up, and I know Mary, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Too many times you, you almost feel kind of like, well, maybe I shouldn't say anything because everybody's going to laugh at me. Of course, I've kind of reached the age now, but frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn, you know, believe me or yeah. not believe me, uh, you know. Well, that brings, <laughs> you know. For me, that brings up an interesting uh, uh, topic because if it wasn't for Will being with us when I saw it, I probably wouldn't tell anybody anything. Well, you know. who wants who wants to be ridiculed? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, there was a guy named gentleman named Arthur Schlupphauer. I think I pronounced his name right. Uh, Seventeen eighty-eight to eighteen sixty. I put it on our webpage on CreekDevil.com, and it says all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Then it's violently opposed. And then third, it's accepting it as being self-evident. And I think that really applies uh, to our topic in a lot of ways. Very cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all go through that phase of being you know, afraid of the ridicule. And while I was working, yeah, I, I didn't share very much as to what was going on. Uh, but after I retired, it's like, oh, I'm free. Heck with it. You know, I'm going to find out all that I can and tell everybody. And I don't, <laughs> I truly don't care what people think. And yeah, I, I do get uh, an initial uh, reaction of ridicule, you know, the, the laughter or the yeah, the nervous laughter about it, you know, you know, who's this woman and you know, crazy woman. Uh, but then once they start asking questions and uh, I talk to them and tell them as to what I've been experiencing, uh, you can see that, okay, the, the doubt is setting in their minds and suddenly they're open. You know, they're not a believer, but there's that little crack, you know, that, okay, you know, they, uh, at least they're not making fun anymore. They're willing well, what to be I find, about the subject. Yes. And what I suspect, Mary, and, and all of us, is that when you talk about it, you're speaking with conviction in your voice. And they pick up on that. And that's what yeah. I found is when I, when I talk to people, it's, they'll say, well, I, you know, I never really believed in it before, but what you're saying, you seem to know a lot about what you're talking about. It's not that I know what I'm talking about. It's that what I do know what I'm talking about is I speak with conviction. Will does the same thing. Milo does the same thing. Forrest, you do the same thing. And, and they pick up on that. And they're like, okay, that's what people look for, for confirmation, for truth or inaccuracy. Yeah. Well, I, my issue is to how to articulate it, you know. I mean, thank God I have Will, <laughs> so he can he can. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He can translate it for 
you know, what I say to to make it sound like it's coming, you know, sound like English instead of talking Milo. You know, that's <laughs> Yeah, but Milo, I remember hang on Milo. I, I'm gonna say something in your defense, okay? I okay. believe it was the second episode of Witness of the Unknown where you had I've never forgotten it. You had the experience where you turned around and you looked and you saw the thing standing above that tent. I think the tent was, what, eight feet tall? Six, six, six feet. Seven, eight, at six least, feet. yeah. Yes, and here's this thing looking at you. And you spoke with absolute conviction. Two words. And, and with some other stuff. But <laughs> two words, yes. <laughs> o was the first one. You can guess what the second one was. Well, right? you know, I, I call it the Arnold Schwarzenegger syndrome. If you have to speak more than a sentence, you got it lost. <laughs> so much. You know, I mean, I, I like saying metaphors or, or you know, one line, you know, one or two words, and then I'm good. Any more than that, then... It gets lost in translation. Yeah, but you know that that night, Milo, that wasn't Milo speak. That was what anybody would say in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> right? True. Very true. Uh, but you know, that's the common language. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I, I I brought a lot back, you know, from that. I I took a lot of that in the army with me too. I mean, every time I went on a mission, it was, you know. One of my favorite words. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was talking, you know, when I was listening and everybody was talking about the conviction of, you know, what you see and how you describe it to other people. And uh, a lot of it now for me, when I talk to people without being too you know, profound of it or anything. It's more try to tell them like everything, the earth is over 3 billion years old. So there's got to be things out there that are unexplained and just look at it that way. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to believe in it or deny it, but just keep an open mind and think, wow, you know, 3 billion years at least. And then we're, we're, we're just, the tip of the iceberg of just figuring out what we do in the last 10,000 years as humans. Well, what I ask, what I usually do when I run into the skeptics sometimes is I, I give an invitation. I say, so what are you doing tonight? <laughs> 2 30 in the morning. <laughs> mm -hmm. We got a place for you to go. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I usually invite them also. Uh, yeah, I say, yeah, there's a place I know, and you're welcome to come along. I, I don't promise anything, but yeah. there's a pretty good chance that something may happen. And that's that's amazing when when I look at all these other shows and stuff that are you know I don't know, but. I, they just come out of some studio, they go somewhere, they drive in a man-smelling, human-smelling car, and then all of a sudden, ooh, there's Bigfoot. That kills me. That kills me. I, 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 you know, 
you're talking to a war vet. So, you know, when you listen to people and say, you know, when we were in Germany and you'd be out on some bivouac and stuff for 30 days, the first thing you smell in 30 days is a German walking through and you haven't even seen them yet. Right. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. Stuff? Yeah, you're out a while. You can smell and hear things you wouldn't normally. Yeah. So, like, 30 days out and you smell. You no one smells you because y'all smell the same. But you know, some and it some wasn't good. <laughs> clean smelling person comes in there. I, I'm going on a rant. I'm sorry. That, that, that's our week long camping trip. <laughs> yeah, but you know well, that's my, my favorite. My favorite story about Germany are the Rudy Tooties. <laughs> <laughs> the, the wild boars. Oh yeah, those things. You know, I think I think we were up by where you were stationed, my lone bomb holder. I think it's where I got treed by yeah. a group of one night. Uh, boars or boars, yeah, Bigfoot. Oh, okay, yeah. There's there's some nasty ones out there. I know when we used to go out to, you know, what do they call it? MTAs or military training mm. areas and stuff like that. It's surprising what I can retain. I can retain that, but I can't retain. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> What are you telling us, Michael? I'm getting old. I don't know. But, I've got know. a question about Germany, though. Um, uh, I've got a friend who lives in Sweden, and another one, uh, well, in another section of uh, Scandinavia, and they've both experienced um, what they call or know of as Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, over there, and uh, I was just wondering if you had heard anything while you were in Germany. Not in Germany. Actually, a number of years back, I was contacted by a guy, uh, Michael, if you're listening. I don't want to butcher your story, buddy, but um, he was in actually Eastern Europe, so far, a little farther east of Germany, and was ran out of a forest there by one of these creatures. Hmm. Mary, I want to ask you, what part of Sweden? Because I've been talking to my family over there i got family in sweden um do you remember what part it was or oh, oh goodness um i know the one lady lives near the shore and i i truly wouldn't be able to tell you what city or town name uh that it would be near uh the other oh, one i was just curious land towards the the north uh northern end yeah, we from what I recall, we had a lady uh, Bonnie's her name who's married to a Norwegian and lives in Norway, and she was telling me uh, a while back that um, what they call them there, of course, trolls. That's that's what a troll is. Yeah. Uh, these creatures. Yeah. But also the stone giants and frost giants, and I can't remember which Disney movie it was. They used frost giants, but that was actually these creatures. Well, in the frost lore. giants, that's a lore that goes back to all the yeah, way back to Vikings or right. pre, yeah, that's a Thor pre Vikings. Thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, frost giants and stone giants and trolls, that's those are all the Sasquatch. Interesting. You know, I never thought of that. I wonder if there are any uh Bigfoot groups over in Europe. Has anybody yeah. ever heard of them? Uh it, it, there's a, a group at least uh, in Scandinavia. Uh, they call themselves a Scandinavia Sasquatch um, organization, and they compile uh, reports. I don't think they really do investigations, 
uh, but they compile reports. Well, listen, everyone, we're just about out of time. We're going to wrap here. Uh, any final thoughts or comments, anyone? I had a good Well, time. I want to thank Mary. Yeah, I want to thank Mary for taking out, you know, you took time out of your day to spend some time with us, and that's time that uh, is very valuable. So we really thank appreciate you for that. It. And we appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Mary. I, oh, oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, let, no, let, let Forrest do it. I'm, God, I want <laughs> to try to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heaven. Smile on you. <laughs> You're amazing. Uh, oh, anyway, no, Mary, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. And I, I'd, uh, you need to call me sometime. We'll just, we'll just sit down and shoot the breeze here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree. I'd love it. Okay, Milo. What you got, man? Thank you. <laughs> hey, Mary, so what is, you are on Facebook and what is it called again? Uh, the group is called Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project. And Pennsylvania Bigfoot Project. Correct. Okay, I will look for it. I will join it. I was going to mention, yeah, too, thank you. that Joe DeHoyas, who runs the uh, the JRG group, which is the Jevening Research Group, and on Facebook, it's the, it's the uh, JRG Bigfoot Research Group, and we have about 3,000 members there. <clears throat> he has a... Um, a member form it's pretty simple but uh you can either go on that page or contact joe directly and uh you know sign up for our group also so with that said cool. <clears throat> excuse me with that said everyone thanks for joining us thank you mary you're welcome thank you for the invite that was awesome thanks for listening to this episode of creek devil if you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.